Hey family, welcome to another edition of Cool Jazz Conversations here on WSSB. My name is Marcella Shepard, the bass man, and what a pleasure it is to be hanging out with you once again. Today we have in our miss a multi-instrumentalist, producer, composer, flugelhornist, saxophonist, trumpeter. He is the heart and soul of Baltimore jazz, none other than Clarence Ward III. Welcome to Cool Jazz Conversations. My brother, how you doing? Hey, man. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you very man, much. I'm great. <laughs> it's, it's a pleasure, and this definitely is uh, is long overdue. Yes, you, sure you, is. You've been at this performance thing for quite a while, for a minute now. You know, you were like, what, 15 years old or so? Yep, sure uh, Coming up under one of the goats in Baltimore City, uh, right. that of Chris Fun over at Dunbar. What what type of foundation did he lay for you? Man, Charles Fun, man. He is the foundation, man. Mm. The foundation of realistically the style and everything you get of me now, man. He instilled in instilled it in me as a young boy, young man. Growing up, man, and a lot of it was mainly a lot of man life skills that for me I flip over to the music, man. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, expand on that a little bit more. You know, you're talking about man life skills, you know. Well, we, we need to hear about well, that in these streets. You know, for starters, you know, accountability. Okay. You know, I, I had to learn accountability through him. Um, honesty. You know, we, we grow up knowing all that type of stuff, but he's a right. person that kept me honest. You mm. know, and as a, he was the type of person at that point in time in life, I needed that kind of man in my life. You know, he was a straightforward, straight shooter. Right. And he loved you. He gave me love, but it was sometimes, a lot of times, tough love for me. You know, I was a quote unquote tough young guy uh, that thought I like, I knew a lot and wanted things <laughs> my way. You know, and that was the type of person I needed to sometimes check me because as much as I thought it, I knew, I didn't know nearly as much as I thought. You know, and mm -hmm. when I actually decided to, when I got to Dunbar and he took me under his wing, I always tell folks he's the one man walking the earth that I know never lied to me. Wow. He all, hey man, <laughs> from, the, since, from the time I'm 15, I'm 41 to this day. And that's wow. one man that I know for sure has never lied to me. And I trust him more than anything to this day, man. <laughs> Tells it like a TIS, right? That's right, man. That's I mean, right. just just think about how how so many of us, how how where we would be in our life if people just really took the time to tell us the mm -hmm. truth, right? And yeah. not to sugarcoat things and and to um, you know open doors mm -hmm. for 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 the youth out there. You know, yeah. um, mentorship is definitely something that is is very very important. And right. we'll hop we'll hop into that a little bit more uh, in a minute. But you you left under his wing. Well, you've never left his wing. Right, not really. Right. Never. I say never left. <laughs> yeah, but you, you relocated. <laughs> right, you relocated. You, you matriculated, if you will. There you we know. go. Out of high school and and then being a part of the HBCU family over there at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore. What was that? That's the, that's the Eagles over there? Uh, yeah, Hawks. The Hawks. Okay, yeah, the Hawks. Yeah. Okay, uh -huh. talk about your experience over at and, uh, uh, University of Maryland Eastern Shore. You know I me? Mean? Yes, for me, it was a good experience, realistically. Uh, starting off, I got a full ride music scholarship. That's so, uh, always a blessing. Know, yeah, so... By being there, a lot of my friends from Dunbar, a lot of us, we graduated from UMES, uh, from Dunbar and went to UMES. So maybe 
in the year that I went in, four of us went into the school. Mm. A lot of these guys were some of my closest friends on earth. Mm. So we, we going to college with three, four of my closest friends. Can't beat that. Deal, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a nice core of my of the high school band is going there at that point in time. So we went from being a nice young killing high school band. We took that over into college. You know, um, it was actually it was fairly a good experience. You know, I did a year at UMES initially. Um, I know I remember during my first year there, I didn't feel totally fulfilled musically. Mm. You know, um, well, uh, being at Dunbar, you know, we were ahead of the game musically. He taught us a lot of the stuff that the reason why a lot of us were good was because we were great students under him and he taught us a lot. When we get to college, you know, the first two years of college, we've already had in high school. Right. You know, so we go right. in there already ahead of a lot of cats, man. Right. And uh, so initially for me, it was boring. You know, um, all that theory, <laughs> yeah, all of that stuff, man. It was just so boring. We we already know that type of stuff, right. you know. So my first year, it was okay, but it was good to be away. You know, I was my first time realistically leaving Baltimore. Mm. You know, uh, born and raised over East Baltimore. Um, before I got to Dunbar, I hadn't really traveled much. You know, I uh, I played in fo played football, so most traveling I did with football team when I played pop Warner. Uh, okay. some, certain martial arts tournaments growing up. I did a lot of martial arts. My aunt put me into everything to try to keep me out of the Baltimore streets. Smart woman. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Between her and Mr. Fun, if they didn't do the things they did for me back then, man, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be the cat I am today, man. It, right. it could be crazy. <laughs> but you and me, yes, man. It was a big change because we go from the big city life here to the Eastern Shore where you, you, when, you when you wake up in the morning, you smell the cows and the chickens outside. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a different pace. <laughs> totally different pace. Yeah, man. The corner store, uh, that corner store is a lot different than the corner store up the street from where we live. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you got a real hike to get to there, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it was a different world, but I, I personally enjoyed it. That was my first real time away from home, you know, starting to become a man, trying to take care of myself, right. you know? But um, after that first year, I decided, you know, I really wasn't making enough money. You know, being the oldest of three, um, before I left for, for college, a lot of the money I made at home, I, a lot of, I gave it to my mother to help with mm -hmm. bills. Right. You know, so after that first year, I decided to go into the army. And uh, I remember hearing uh, a killing saxophonist when I was at the time, let's say 18, 18, 19, played at the Navy Commodores. Mm. Uh, he was young and he was killing. And I remember, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm younger than him, and I'm a coming up as a nice young killer. Maybe I could do this, right. but I didn't realize that was the special band where they audition <laughs> to get into the special band, and that's all they do. Right. All I know is I see a military band. My grandfather was army. That's the only other thing I could go there. I'm gonna go into the army and I'm gonna be in the band. I went and enlisted into the full time army instead of applying. Yeah, man. About to be all you could be with a saxophone yeah, and, and trumpet yeah. in your hand. Oh, yeah, man. man. So yeah, I went into the to the army as a O2 Lima Army saxophonist. I auditioned, got in there, and that was a decent experience. Um, it was it was what I'll say is because I never try to get into all like you say the political aspect. For me, it wasn't the place for me. Mm -hmm. Now, when I went in, if I wasn't a man. 
when I left, I surely was. Because of all the experiences that I went through, I tell you one thing, Mr. Fun prepared you a lot for it. He puts you through the rigmarole. He gives you the tough love and the roughness that when you go out to this world, a lot of the stuff that you have to deal with in the world is, is a piece of cake. Right. But the military stuff was another level. Mm. You know, so, but uh, I, I would always harken back on a lot of the lessons. And one of the big biggest things that he always used to tell me back in the day was, man, you gotta learn not to respond to everybody. Right. You know, I was a or everything. I'm a guy big on respect, and if I felt disrespected, you know, you're gonna hear me. Mm -hmm. and, but I had to learn. He told me at 15, 16, man, you, you can't be like that, man. That's the that's that's how a lot of people disappear off the earth. You, right. know, you don't have to respond to everything. Everybody don't deserve the response, and that's mm -hmm. something I've always been conscious of since I was 15, 16. Man. <laughs> it's wow. always in the back of my head. Yeah. You know, in the military, I had to learn to deal with it because it's military. It don't matter who you are, you're gonna abide by those rules, and you're gonna you're gonna walk the line, or else, you know, it can get real bad. And you know, I fought it a little bit, but after a while, you know, everybody in their right mind, you're gonna get right. You know, you're gonna act right in the military. Yeah. Um, it was a good experience for what it was, but it really wasn't totally what I needed. All I, going in, I was told that I could travel the world, play jazz, and send money home to my family. Mm. And when it was put to me like that. It's, it's too weak. That's, that's that's like taking candy from a baby. Right. You know, that's the way that's, I look at it. That's the elevator pitch. That. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And yeah. when I got there and I had to do all these marches and marching band type stuff, I'm like, yeah, I, that wasn't for me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, after a while, you know, things got rough and I ended up getting discharged. I was initially getting discharged on, uh, I, I banged up my feet uh, during basic training. I did my basic at uh, Fort Knox. Mm. And during that time, yeah, my feet got messed up. So I was initially getting out on a uh, on a uh, medical discharge. And then in the midst of that, you know, it was a big rigmarole for a lot of things. And that's a long story for off the air. <laughs> <laughs> but I made it back to Baltimore. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's all that matters. And you came back a stronger man with, that's uh, right, man. you know, that's right. With with, with some scars <laughs> on your feet, but better the scars on the feet than the scars on your on your head on your on your conscience, right? That's right. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, wow, wow, didn't know that. That's incredible, man. Yeah, man. Trumpet, saxophone, mm -hmm. keys. Which one did you connect with first? Well, initially, I started off on flute. Okay. I'm a, uh, I play all woodwinds minus the double reeds, but the connection started initially. The real connection was with alto saxophone. Mm. Um, sax, alto sax was my first saxophone. Um, when I first played it, Fun said, man, you got that cannonball sound. Mm. And I said, who is who? cannonball? <laughs> uh -huh. I remember looking him up. And when I heard him, it was like one of the greatest people I ever heard on a horn. Yeah. And just to say, I in, in my first couple of weeks for me to have a sound that's similar to his, it was motivating, man. Right. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And for him yeah. to initially, you know, immediately hear that, and, mm -hmm. and you know, that's yeah. man. Hats off to to brother Fun. I mean, there's so many living legends that yeah came under him, man. He's he's exactly. mentored, taught uh -huh. so many. <laughs> uh, you know, 
on one end, you want to say there's something in the water with Baltimore musicians, right? Because uh -huh. there are so many, if you look at all these major bands and artists, you know, there's always somebody from Baltimore always in their band, uh -huh. right? <laughs> always, right? So you can say something in the water and then you can say, okay, well, Mr. Fun had a little bit of something to do with that. Now, mm -hmm. not everybody, but you know, not everybody, but he stretched his hands yeah, out far right. and, and wide. So definitely yeah, want to give that brother his flowers. So, you know, you, you leave out of the army, you became all that you could be mm -hmm. at that point in your life. <laughs> yeah. Um, when did the gigging start? Um, uh, honestly, from the time that I started playing at Dunbar, the gigging really started. Okay. You know, when I was in high school, man, I, we gig throughout the year, usually five, six times a month. Nice. That's not, and that's why we were we were high school students, you know, and that realistically, when it was five six times a month, it was a lot. But when times like uh, Black History Month would come around, mm -hmm. those were times we would only be in a in a building three or four days. Wow, you know, because we were performing a lot. So in high school, we were gigging, we were working a lot, and I nice. I got to see what it felt like to be a working musician. Yeah, and um. And from there, in college, it was the same thing, but really working and making my own money without actually Dunbar or UMES. Well, actually still in college. When I was at Dunbar, I was gigging on the side, you know, trying to find little hits, you know, because at that point, when I was with Fun, I was primarily uh, a big band guy. I played a lot okay. of big band, but I was always the main soloist in the big band. Mm -hmm. To me, things are totally different when you get into the small groups. Because you have to, I mean, one, it takes more vocabulary, longer solos, and you got to build them different. So, yeah. you know, coming out of big band, you know, I still had to get my chops together for small combo stuff. So, you know, I would gig a little bit, but my most heavy gigging came right after high school. That's on my own. Okay. You know, right after high school, early college. You still remember your first big gig, what it was? Who was with? My first big gig, well, the first big gig, realistically, a lot of them were with Dunbar because the biggest okay. ones were, you know, things we played coming up. We played for the governors, you know, mm. the mayors when we were in high school. Um, mm. uh, I remember back in late 90s, well, not late 90s, yeah, yeah, late 90s, we, they were doing these big old shows for remembrance of the Royal Theater. Mm. You know, and those royal theater shows that we used to go perform for, I mean, those were those were awesome. I mean, I remember when uh, one of the first gigs I played with a big name professional it was with um, Gary Bartz. It was a gig with Gary Bartz nice. and um, Cyrus Chestnut. Oh, they yeah, performed the all day. Yeah, man, they performed at Dunbar. And while they were, we, while they were out there performing, we were in the band room. I remember coming out here and them and they let me sit in. Yeah, nice. This is when I was still in high school. You that know, says so a lot, man. Yeah, man. So it was, it's a lot of little gigs, man, that I could think of for the early time. And then when I think about the gigs later, you know, performing with Aretha Franklin, mm. you know, she's one of the greatest singers to ever walk the face Queen of the earth, man. Yeah, man. You know, her, um, you know, I toured with Lettucey for a while mm. and she's another one. Great voice, man. You know, I played behind people like you know, Shantae Moore, B.B. Winans, C.C. Winans, you know, Richard Smallwood. Glasper. Um, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. 
man, I've, man, it's a lot of cats, man. And it's funny. I usually try to. I usually have to read the list because I usually don't. I don't really talk about a lot of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me let me read the list for you. Gladys Knight. Yeah. Uh, yep, let's Gladys. see here. Uh, Music Soul Child. Music Soul Child. Yeah. Benny Golson. Benny Golson. Hey, yeah. Na- Nancy Wilson. Yeah. Man. Come on, man. Talk to me about Nancy. So you know, so you know your stuff, man. Come on, bro. Nancy, man. I was a young kid still at Dunbar. We opened up for her, man. Mm. Uh, she performed here. I forgot what festival that they had some years back, but we opened up for her, and I had a chance to talk with her briefly. Mm. And, oh, you did. You know, yeah, very brief. You know, but just the moment of us of a, alone, just to stand there in front of her was just like in awe. This is a lady I listened to who was singing on albums in the forties and fifties. Right. You know, and you know, she's standing right next to me. Um, I had that same moment with uh, Abby Lincoln. Oh, you know, I, man. I, I remember <laughs> this is when I won the uh, in college. I won a, a few times a position in the historically black college and university all star big band. Very it's nice. A big band that that uh, we had to audition for. Okay. So the first time I auditioned for that, I was I went to Canada to represent UMES. Mm. And while in Canada is when the first time I came across all the big, big name jazz folks in one place. Okay. You know, um, but that's when I, I remember meeting. Actually, I didn't necessarily meet her. I just stood next to her and couldn't say anything because I was afraid. I to got Abby to Lincoln. the elevator and Abby Lincoln was there. And I kept thinking, like, is that Abby Lincoln? Is that Abby Lincoln? Should I say something? And then I just looked at her and then she got off the elevator. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, man. Now, I, I wonder if, do you recall, was was this was this uh, event, was this at IAJE? Do you remember? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Okay, so funny, funny thing. <laughs> I was at IAJE in Canada. Oh, yeah. That's, I met Nancy Wilson at IAJE in Canada. Similar thing, similar thing. So, you know, Nancy, uh, NEA Jazz Master, and for the Uh, Jazz Masters, they're at conferences. They Mm -hmm. have security around them, like they're the Secret Service, right? Yeah, Uh uh-huh. She's doing an interview for, uh, what is it? Uh, Jazz 90 or FM 90, whatever their jazz station is called over there. Yeah. Jazz FM, I think it is. Okay. Uh, So, I'm sitting there watching her in the booth. This is at the conference. They have, they're doing a live broadcast. She's in there. I'm standing off to the side. You know, you got security out there. She finishes. She comes out. Security kind of swarms, but then they step forward a little bit to try to keep people back. Yeah. Me, I'm just cool, calm, collective. I just slap. <laughs> and bro, I don't know what came over me. I looked at her. I said, Mrs. Wilson, how are you doing today? Yeah, <laughs> Clarence. When I tell you, it was as if no one had asked her how she was doing. Yeah, the entire day, she yeah. sat there. Nancy Wilson, yes, the woman who the was singing in the forties, <laughs> Grammys. You know what I'm saying? TV appearances, all of this stuff. Everybody's mama's favorite artist. That's right. To me, uh-huh. for about ten minutes. We sat there, we talked about her husband, his health was ailing, and we had the greatest conversation. Then at the end, they were like, okay, Miss Wilson, we got to get you out of here. I said, do you mind if we get a picture? Bruh, she took a picture with me. Not only did she take the picture, 
she put her hand on my chest. Oh. <laughs> Bruh. I melted. I bet, you man. Me? I me- I'm, I'm going to post that picture. I'm going to send it to you so you can see it. But yeah, man, man. It, was, it was just one of those incredible stories that, you know, that that people people always have that those one or two stories that are just like mm-hmm. wow like that was one yeah. of those moments for me personally and professionally that yeah. I will always hold dear to my heart Man, and I know I'm, that you I'm, as a musician you know you have plenty of stories yeah. as you deal with these various artists as you have traveled the world you know you're yeah. you're touring you've gone around the world and back again man yeah uh, yeah Yes, uh, yes, I have. Talk man. to me about some of these stamps you've you've gotten on on your uh, your passport and and what that has shown you about yourself and being able to have the confidence of knowing that you know what I deserve to be here. You know, and that's funny you say that because for me, that confidence I really didn't have that full total confidence in my opinion mm. until about five six years ago. Wow! Um, before then. Yeah, I'm a. I was a music killer. Everybody look at me as a young killer, but inside, I always was. I had, you know, little doubts about a lot. So mm-hmm. realistically, in my opinion, the last five or six years, I feel like my shine got a lot bigger purely because my, it wasn't my plan that changed. It was my mentality. You know, uh-huh. I um, I just stopped caring about possibly really what people thought. Man, I always wanted the respect of the of the great musicians man mm. and i remember playing in new york some years back uh with a piano player named doobie powell and uh with the, with his band up in new york and um a guy came up to me after this set and he was like man i hear you some of these folks in here are not gonna get you this i was playing saxophone he mm. said you're a musician's musician mm. and i'm like man i guess that's hip and that's cool that means i got what i wanted the respect of the musicians but in the end right. i still need the, the love of the people if right. I'm not touching the people, musicians don't come out and pay for shows, man. Right. You know, the people do. I right. had to get to really completely being more in touch with the people. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> That's one of the biggest things that changed. I stopped caring about wanting to please musicians. And I wanted to really please the people and really play my music. You know, throughout the years, I went through a lot of changes of, you know, styles of the music. You know, some of my, some of the guys that were in the groups that I am, the way the music that the music they played, it's totally different than what I really like to do stylistically. Right. Um, I'm bred in blues, soul, big band, R&B, you know, that style of, you know, hard bop, stuff like that. A lot of the cats of my, during my time, we were, they were cats that were, they wanted to venture off even more than where it was, you know. Um, right. It's stretching the music out even further. And I loved it. And I enjoyed it for that period of time. But there comes a point for me, I needed some, I needed to feel more whole. You know, right. and and feeling more whole, I needed to play more heartfelt music. You know, and in that, you know, I, I that's when I really started. You know, I started my band that feel good roughly about five six years ago, and during that time, that was my my big time to change up everything, man. I just had to change my thinking and go hard. You know, go hard by meaning no matter where I was, I went live, I played my heart out for everybody to see. You know, whether people liked it or not. It's all good. They don't have to watch. But well, throughout that amount of time, I learned that, I mean, yeah, the people really do dig a cat, man. The, cat, the people really like me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, that's that's not bad. And then it's bigger for me. It's just, 
it's about the music, man. Yeah. I put my whole heart into this music, into the community, and I feel that when I play, the people feel it, man. It's real. It's not it's not fake. It's not a facade. You know, I'm not up there playing Bojangles with the music, man. I'm mm. spitting reality, real life of Baltimore, man. It's the yeah. good and the bad of it. You right. know, I'm I'm the, right. I'm both sides of it, man. <laughs> wow. Good good transition and you're going exactly where I want to go. But for those who are just tuning in, uh, we are on the line today with our special guest, flugelhornist, saxophonist, and trumpeter, Clarence Ward III. He's talking about his uh, band now, that feel good. First and foremost, that feel good. Now, I know, I know what that feel good is. Yeah. Right? What made you name your band? You could name your band anything. Yes, right. But but that feel good. Talk to me. I remember sitting home, man, and when I was thinking of all the ideas, the, the only thing that stuck out to me really was the feel of the music, bro. Mm. All I kept telling my wife was, man, my music, I mean, my music is not necessarily like everybody else's. Yes, we, I can get my jazz stuff off, but it feels totally different. It's, and I remember saying, babe, it's like, it's, it's like feel good music for jazz. Right. And, and in the midst of that, I'm like, it's that feel good. At first I said that. And then I'm like, yeah. I said, that feel good. She said, ooh, I like that. And I said, I kind of do too. <laughs> Wait a minute, what she said? She said, ooh, I like that. <laughs> I said, yeah, baby, you do. You like that feel good. <laughs> I love it. Uh-huh. And I that's love when it. my slogan came up right then and there. When she said, ooh, I like that. I said, oh, so it don't feel good without the D. That's, That's the slogan. That's the slogan. Oh, That's the slogan, man. Oh, you gotta That's love the it. Slogan, man. You gotta That's love the it. Slogan. My my shirt's coming out soon. Okay. Oh. Listen. Uh, send me the link so I can order mine, please. For sure, bro. Yes, yeah, sir. Man, gotta that band, do that, man. man. But for me, when I made that band, all I really—I well, was not gonna say all I did. A lot of the music that I've written over the years that I wrote for straight ahead jazz and that idiom, I just flipped them over, changed the groove of the beat. Mm. And it's my, the songs that I played straight ahead throughout the years, it's the same songs with a whole different groove and it feel totally different, man. Yeah. And it's, that, that feel good really is my brand it's, and it's my style and it's, it's, it's my style of music, right. you know? And it's out the it's out the bag of, you know, the, the Roy Hargrove S type stuff, you know? Um, just heartfelt good music, man. I always want to be able to touch the people and still be able to intellectually be able to express myself on the instrument. Most definitely. You know what I mean? and that's what it yeah. boils down to, man. Yeah. For those who aren't familiar, that feel good. Uh, to sum it up in words, it's it's one part jazz, it's one part soul, it's one part bop, it's mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's it's neo soul, it's it's groove. Um, it's funk. Man, it's you got it's it all, man. <laughs> everything, man. And you know the the name itself that feel good. You will be sitting there. You the music has that head nod factor to it, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. okay, you're listening to a jazz standard. You're like, oh, yeah, uh -huh. I get this. <laughs> like you, I never you remember that song sounded like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's a beautiful thing, and you know, you yeah. you mentioned. Roy Hargrove, and I know he was one of your biggest uh, 
mentors, if you will, or or someone you looked up to the most. You just did a, a concert in tribute to him. Talk yeah. about Roy Hargrove and his legacy and, and what his music and he meant to you. Man, he's me a lot to me, man. It's, it's usually hard to explain. I always tell Cash Litney, if you hear me, you can hear you can hear his influence and what he means to me, man. Um, when I first came across Roy, I came across Roy in high school. Mr. Fun's oldest son, Kyle Fun, gave me an album uh, was the Tokyo Sessions. Oh yeah. On that album, you know, Baltimore's own Antonio Hart was mm -hmm. on that album. Now, at that time, I'm an alto saxophonist. All I want to hear is alto players, man. Right. So when I found out there's this killing alto player on an album and he's from baltimore i'm like i gotta hear this mm. so i fell in love with the music initially that on there but and i'm a i'm a crazy antonio hart fan outside of bird and cannonball he was the first person i was trying to sound like wow but i couldn't get past the sound of that trumpet man the way <laughs> the, the way the trumpet felt when he played it was just different you know, I'm a saxophone player. I, I'm cut from the cloth for Dexter Gordon, man. Mm. Holman Hawkins, you know, cats like that. And they and their presence is always there. But the the energy and power that I felt a lot of times when Roy played, man, it was just different. Mm. And I think probably one of the first time I shed a tear listening to music might have been off of one of Roy's ballads. Right. And Let me over tell you, years, I just Roy Allen, that, Roy huh? Allen, trust. Trust yeah, to man. this day. Trust the door to you. This day I will get teary eyed listening to Trust, man. Uh huh. Man, no more, I play man. that song getting teary eyed, man. Right. Those songs, man. I feel you, bro. <laughs> and it's like, in the end, stylistically, it was about the sound, style, and feel. And that's what those are the main things that I feel separates me from everybody in the music yeah. sound, style, and feel. You know, um, a lot of people. I mean, in, the, in this day and age of music, to me, everything got too cerebral. Hmm. People forgot how to love, you know, how to feel in the music. Yeah. And for me, it's all about just putting that in there, man. Love, feeling, you know, emotions. You know, anytime I listen to Roy, it didn't matter whether it was um, an upbeat thing or down tempo. Right. I felt something. Right. You know, it's about feeling, man. But, yeah. um, you, you know, when I decided to play, I mean, back back to... It was Antonio Hart, then it was Roy. And I just kept listening to albums with those with that combination of those two, man. And I could not get away from the fact that that trumpet sounded, which is bold, it was strong, man. And before you know it, I was picking up a trumpet to try to, to grasp the sound. You wow. know, I remember in 12th grade, uh, I had a, my high school girlfriend at the time. She was a trumpet player. She taught me a C scale. Okay. And she uh she went away to college. She was a year ahead of me. And when she came back for the first from her first college break, you know, I'm I'm fairly decent. I was I was still a bum, but I was, you know, I got good. <laughs> that broke us up, man. Are you serious? And so that I was halfway as good as her and we broke up. <laughs> oh my god. She saw you as competition. Uh, and we're both and we were both we love Roy. You know, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm That's trying to get the money, shit. you know? Yeah, man. So it was kind of crazy. But, man, throughout time, man, you know, when you listen to his discography over the years, you hear the 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 way he grew in the music. And, you know, you just hear the emotions in all the music, man. And that's yeah. all I ever really want to do is emotionally be able to um, touch the people, man. 
in the end, people always remember the way you made them feel, whether yeah. it's a conversation or through the music. I always want people to remember the feeling that I left them with, which is yeah. usually that feel good, you know. And, that, and it really came from, it really came from cats like Roy, man. Mm. You know, the, the way that he played, I wanted to grasp that, and then incorporating his style with the many other styles that I play, the cats that I, I, I grab off of has helped develop, you know, me and my sound and my style. And honestly, I'm believing it's really helped develop the new sound of Baltimore, man. Wow. Okay. All right. That's something I want to definitely come back to. But in talking about Roy real quick, mm -hmm. his RH Factor album, his first one, <clears throat> mm -hmm. I venture to say was one of the most important albums to come out in that decade. That yeah, sure was. Because for me as a broadcaster and trying to introduce folks to the art form, to the genre of of jazz right mm -hmm. cats who oh no I, I don't listen to jazz you know uh -huh. I, don't, I don't do no it sounds creepy you know people no i don't traditional right. no the smooth stuff no no uh -huh. you know so whether it was trying to introduce someone to jazz who doesn't listen to it at all mm -hmm. trying to introduce a contemporary feel to someone who's a purist, right? Who only does straight ahead or vice versa. That album bridged the gap. Yeah, yep, sure it is. Okay. <laughs> it bridged the gap. So, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, Glasper's Black Radio Project. Okay, well that's that's because of Yeah, right. No, it, you know, there's no black there's no black radio without RH. No, <laughs> R.H. Factor, man, that is one of the most important albums yeah, in the true. history of yeah. the art form of jazz for me, because I can't tell you how many people I introduce to jazz through that through album. That but album. They, they say, oh, man, that was, uh -huh. you know, and, and everybody, that's the beauty of it. Everybody yeah. found something different within that album. Man, all those cats on the album, man, you know, it, was hard, it was hard not to. You go from right. the to Erica Badu, you know? Anthony <laughs> Hamilton, come on, Carmen, man. Carmen, you know, come on, man. Yeah. It's like, yo, it, it touched all the genres, man. All the genres. Everybody can find at least one thing off of there that you love. Exactly. Yeah. And then explore <laughs> from there, you know, you go, so, so very, and it's very- it's funny you say that though, because I was thinking back to, um, when you said it touched the, brought the jazz purists and the, and the cats from the other side. For me being a straight ahead guy, I was, I was considered, probably during that time of jazz snob, you know, mm. all I, I'm straight ahead. Okay. So when that album came out, I was more surprised because everything he did throughout that time was, you know, straight ahead. Right. You know, when that right. came out, it was like, wow, what made him? But then when yeah. you started listening, it was like, okay, yeah. okay. That first, I mean, that, when that, when the first uh, song came on with, um, <clears throat> was it Q-Tip in Common? Mm -hmm. When that joint breaks on, man, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. What is going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then by the end of that song, Erica Badu singing on it. Yeah. Come on, man. It's it's crazy. And you know, when you when you look <laughs> back, it's almost like every generation has an album like that. So prior to Roy doing it, right? Yep. It was Branford Marsalis. Okay. Buckshot LaFunk. Buckshot LaFunk, okay. Buckshot yeah. LaFunk was, was that same thing. Now, it wasn't as hip-hop 
as our right. H factor, but it moved into contemporary right. in a way, you know, explored things that had not the been done. Yeah, man. <laughs> and bought a lot of different artists, you know, and introduced folks to a lot of different artists on the contemporary side that right, know, right. they wouldn't have been checking for had it not been for Branford Marsalis and his alter ego band, Buckshot mm -hmm. LaFunk. So, yeah, man. you know, so yeah, every, you know, every decade that that happens. And of course, in the 70s, you got Freddie Hubbard, who. Uh -huh, who Freddie you know, and Herbie. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, Herbie had that uh, album Sunlight. Yep. So many grooves on that uh -huh. thing. So many grooves on that thing. I mean, yeah, man. so yeah, it's 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 the beauty of the evolution of music, and the fact that because you are a jazz artist, you do not have to be pigeonholed into one sound. Right. Uh, and for you, what I love about you, first off, it's been amazing for me watching your growth. Over Thank the you, years, right? right? And I, I do mean that. <laughs> yeah, I mean that. And seeing your interaction on stage, you know, because it it amazes me when I when I think about it now. There's so much Roy in you because uh -huh. you could be on stage blowing, you know, straight ahead doing your thing, and in the very next minute, you're you're singing, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're scatting. Right. And yeah, then you yeah. pick up your horn again and you right back to it, you know, and yeah. you can move fluidly between the, the worlds, between the genres of straight ahead to contemporary to soul, you know, to bop, you know, fluid, right? Fluid with the music. And that's that's yeah. a beautiful thing, man. So it's Thank great you, for me to to be able to see. And you're you're talking now about this this new sound, if you will, that's that's coming out of Baltimore. And I want you to expand on that. A little bit more okay well i always say this but i I can speak more of the time now baltimore in my opinion has always had a, a sound we were mm. a lot more grittier a lot more harsher than you know the way we approach the music and it's kind of similar now but we are a little it's a bit more different i feel because some of the young ones that are coming up now are are uh the mentality their mentality is they, they go hard and it doesn't matter who around, right. you know, during my generation, there was still like a, a, a level of, um, that's for me, I grew Respect up. Respect and reverence. Yeah, reverence for the, for the cats, yeah. you know, yeah. for my these elders. Young cats. Some mm -hmm. of these cats, they don't have it. No, they walk and on stage. And right, they walk on stage and they, <laughs> if they good, they, they, they trying to go. And I right. love it. I love yeah. it because that's what keeps me on my toes, man. Nice. You know, it doesn't matter what instrument I play. I'm always down for the get down, brother. Yeah. But um, but the the energy, the way that we approach the music, man, is different. I just, it's hard to say. I like it's just different from everywhere else. I know everybody that comes here. Every time people come and leave, when they come back, they say, "Man, I've been a lot of other places, but the sound here is just different." Mm. Um, I can only speak for my sound, and is I have a big, it can be a big brass sound. You mm -hmm. know, it can go from being big brass to sad and melancholy, you mm -hmm. know, but in that, it's just all about the experience, man. Yeah. For me, I'm just playing my experiences, bro, from the good and the bad. But then that's where all of our, that's where the music is built off of. The sound is built off everybody's individual experience in a city like Baltimore, which makes out, it makes us play a bit harder, man. You know, people always say, people from there also always seem like they have a chip on their shoulder. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, we tend to. I, I can speak from the chip that's been on my shoulder for a long time. 
well, it's not in anymore, but I remember coming out of high school, Fun always used to call me Baltimore's best kept secret. Mm. And and it was cool, but I I never liked being a secret, you know. I wanted to I cast want the world to know. Was, you know? Yeah. You know, when I was coming up, you know, uh, you know, Dunbar was a in the eyes of most is a regular Baltimore City public school. Mm. You know, a school like school Baltimore School for the Arts. That's the magnet school. Right. You know, a lot of the bigger names have come out of there. They get they get the they get a lot of the attention there. And and that's great and awesome. But when you're me, I went from Lake Clifton to Dunbar. You mm. know, Dunbar, the, the program started realistically the year that I got to uh, Dunbar. Oh, wow. You know, so, you know, it's, it was not like it was a whole lot of extra support on the outside from it. The biggest support I've always had was fun, mm. you know, and I have an aunt. And then it became the community. Not really my whole family. Everybody, they, they, see, the, they see me playing. They see all the things that I'm doing, and they always proud to say, "That's my cousin, that's my brother." Yeah. Da, da, da. yeah. But the real support coming out. Where were you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny you said that song. When you get a chance, when we get off, go listen to that song. It's called "Where Were You" on Rory Hargrove's album, "The Vibe." The Vibe. It's okay. the first ballad on okay. on the Vibe album. It's called "Where right. Were You," man. That that song. That was the first one that made me cry. <laughs> wow. wow! Yeah, man. But um, where were we, man? I can get everywhere sometimes. It's, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> but you know, you 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 mentioned, uh, and for those who are just tuning in, we're on the line today with Baltimore's own multi instrumentalist Clarence Ward the Third. You were talking about uh, the the young musicians and and the not the goal oh, yeah. that they have but you know the yeah well they got the cojones it's all fine man. yeah yeah yeah. the yeah. big balls yeah. to walk on stage right. but that and stage i, I, I want to point out to folks mm -hmm. and again we're airing in south carolina but everybody in south carolina i need y'all to come up to baltimore spend a little time uh go to a concert come to the jam session that this brother runs right. on monday nights uh I want to talk about this jam session and and the importance of this jam session uh what it has done for the community of musicians and having a regular place for them to to build up their chops right and and what that scene has done for you and now I'll, I'll say this i used to host a open mic in baltimore for years warm wednesdays yeah uh which was the longest running poetry event in baltimore i was the first host of that and I remember seeing the young, timid, or not even young, but just the timid, scared poet who, you know, I, there's a great poet now uh, out of Baltimore, Rebecca Dupas. Oh, yeah. She's like a little sister to me. Rebecca was so scared to hit the stage the first time that I literally held her hand on stage while she said her poem. Yeah. Now she has multiple books. She tours all over the place, you know, she working for museums, yeah. what have you. <laughs> you know. So I want you to talk about that feeling of seeing the growth and confidence of these, uh, these musicians hitting the stage over time and what this Man. has done for you. For me, that's the biggest reason outside of building a name for our city. The biggest thing for me is to give back to these kids and watch them grow back mm. because I'm not necessarily I'm not teaching in the schools. Right. I I got I felt I always felt like I still had to give back somehow. And when I started the session, it was my give back to the city. I wanted to be able to play the music a certain way that we like to play. Right. Every, the way that I play the music is totally different than a lot of the others do. 
you know, mm-hmm. the, the aggression, the, the the emotion is just different. So when I started my session, I started back realistically, what, 2015, I initially started it. That's okay. why I started it. I wanted to build and I wanted to build the music here and have these kids learn to play the way that I learned to play. You know, and um, when I look at some of these kids and I'm going to speak specifically on Ibn and Ephraim, you know, the young oh, females out of, out of yes. Baltimore, man. The Dorsey kids. Yes, the Dorsey kids, man. Those two, they're like my, it's like my son and daughter by somebody else, you know. When I listen <laughs> to them, I hear so much in between the two, but it's just like, I'm going to go, my harken back to when you brought up Rebecca. That's the way Ibn was early mm. on when she was coming to the session. Right. You know, um, she very timid, but as you know, both of those kids were, theoretically sound on their instruments man yes you know they kill us when they were what 10 11 years old they they were playing out right. playing a lot of grown folks but she lacks sometimes i guess sometimes the inner confidence mm-hmm. and she's one person that i've seen grow tremendously from the time that she showed up at the session to now as you see that young lady man she's in college now She's she, touring, she was touring with uh, uh, Jose, Jose James. James. Bro, come oh, on, man. I was like, oh, my baby. Come on, man. And every they time used to I come up it, in the studio with me doing membership on, drives uh-huh. at, at 11 and 12 years old. You know? Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man. And when you hit, just looking at them and you, you know where they came from and everything, I'm going to say from the start, it goes back to their mom and pops, man. Mm-hmm. Their mother and father. Totally dedicated. They get, come on, man. Totally that's what I always try to let them know that when I was coming up, I had to fight to play. Right. You know, my my I got my mom's put me out once for practicing too much in the house. Hmm. When I was in high when I was in high school, I used to have to go out into this field of grass over on Sinclair and Bowley's near Creek. Wow. Grass and trees to practice, man. I used to be I was the I was the cat in the hood that they would do a story about see me over in the trees trying to make it out the hood man wow. yeah it's crazy bro and but those kids man my my mom i could up until the last two years i could count on one hand how many times i saw her at a performance show wow. and that's just what it was you know she she didn't know no better now it's different man my mom over the last six months has popped up at my session nice i mean at least five six times and nice years, it's crazy because i'm like wow my entire life you barely showed up, but right, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's all about now. You know, but those kids, man. Yeah. I remember one time Ibn came in and she just had a, a moment where she just broke down crying. Hmm. And I, I didn't know or understand why. And I know her, her mother at the point, she was like, I don't know. She said, just if you could talk to her. I didn't say much. I just gave her a nice big hug and I had to let her know actually what I felt. You are the truth. Right. You're smoking these cats around here. Yeah. There's no reason for you to ever walk in here and be intimidated by anybody. Not even me. I'm a killer, but yo, with what you are right now, from the time that I started playing, I was a player. Right. Where those kids were at, when I put myself in the same age of where they are, they were better than me at that mm. point in time. Which yeah. means I always tell you, y'all have the potential to be better than me when you get to where I am. As long as you keep doing what you're doing. Right. And they, those kids, man, they, they stick to it. They practice and they about the music. I was going to ask more, you. And more than anything, those two. And another person is Brandon Woody. He's another one that I've seen yes. come up over the last four years mm-hmm. that I love. I mean, I love these cats. They, 
that sound. I, I can hear a bit of me in all three of them. Mm. On when I listen to Ephraim on saxophone, there's times where the cat he'll play my lick and then give me a little smile, a nod. You know, I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know? Right. And I love that, man. And it's crazy because a lot of the guys, the way people look at me is not the way I look at myself. I'm just a humble man. I'm a married man with three kids just trying to build for the city and for my family, man. Wow. You know, that's that's just the way I look at it. But the way other people look at me is something else. I don't get into that. All I can do, man, is what I can do what's best for the, the community and my family, bro. And that's just keep grinding and going hard, man. And I'm going to tell you one thing that Robert Shaheed said to me uh, some months back. He said, uh, man, what I got going on on Monday nights at the session, he said, it's the best thing since sports, was it Sportsman's Lounge? Sportsman's Lounge. Man. Wow. And that meant a lot, man, for the, wow. to go back that far. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and realistically, right now, and it's the, in Baltimore, it's the longest running session. It's been going on and most consistent. That's man. the main thing. We we kick out great music and musicians, but we're consistent. No matter what, man, I'm always there. We've wow. been through about four or five different locations, but no matter what, Monday happens. The only time Monday didn't happen was for COVID. The world wow. shut down. Right. That's the only right. time I'm stopping the music. Outside of that, man, I was playing for free for, for years, man. Making right. a session happen. The money didn't matter. All I wanted to do was make sure that people know no matter what, the music is going to be here. I'm going to be here and it's going to be Monday night. And it is what it is now, man. We're over at our house. Uh, I mean, it's usually at, at minimum 100, 120 people usually out every Monday. That's amazing. You know? and That's Baltimore, amazing for man. any city. Right. But right. Baltimore, but come Baltimore, on, man. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Brother, hats, hats off to you, man. Seriously. Thank you. Right. Thank you, on, on behalf of the arts community, you know, what you're doing is so important. It is so needed. The mentorship that these young folk are receiving is incredible there. Not only that, but also the elders of the village. It's very important for them to still have a space to be able to reach out to the next exactly. generation. That's right. Right. That's right. So man. these spaces are very important because when you just go to a concert, right, they, they might have a little conversation, right? But they're not having a musical conversation. Exactly. That exactly. musical conversation takes place on the bandstand at a jam session, you know, in between somebody going up, somebody pulling somebody to the side, right? Mm -hmm. It is so needed for the progression of the arts and to keep the music alive. So you, my brother, are a, a hero, right? In, in Baltimore for what you're doing and, and hats off to that, you for man. it, man. Listen, that. time is flying, but before we get out of no. here, we, we got to talk about uh, your album with that feel good uh, oh, live at uh, Blue House, Blue man. House. First, where is Blue House? First off, uh, Blue House is in Kensington, Maryland, right okay. down you know in the PG County area. Gotcha. Um, yeah, man. You know when COVID hit, cats were trying to find new ways to you know find to perform and make some money. Right. Um, and it was a guy down there who opened up his studio and started doing live shows. Um, I did one of the live shows down there um i say it was august of 2020 and you know throughout 2020 you know people down left and right bro yeah and all man. i could think was i didn't i haven't put out an album yet and this COVID, you know I'm, I'm a bigger guy a lot of the bigger guys were dropping off bro so i'm like yeah, yeah i need to lay some, something gotta go out in case this COVID get me so <laughs> after i played that joint and listened I, I played that gig and listened actually that was the first time i played a gig that year my father died the day 
I found him dead in his house the day that they shut the world down. It oh, was a Monday. No. Yeah, man. Oh, it was bro, March 16th of 2020. I went up there. His birthday was on the 15th. That Monday. Are you serious? Yeah, bro. Your father and I share the same birthday, bro. Are you serious, man? March 15th. Wow. March 15th, bro. March yep. 15th. <laughs> wow, man. Yeah, man. Rest in peace, man. Yeah, man. And, uh, wow. That, yep, the day that I found him did, the world shut down. That was the last session. I just got back him. into the country that day. I remember watching you or when you were away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. like, yeah, man. Wow. Like, yeah, man, it was crazy. And, um, man, what, what was I? Where were we? My mind running everywhere, bro. You were talking about <laughs> you, listen, you listened to the recording from Blue House. Oh, yeah. Once I listened to that record and I said, this is going to be the album. This is going to have to be my album because yeah. if I go, man, something's got to be out here other than just a few YouTube videos. Right. And, you know, I released that joint and it, it was really, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it purely because throughout that year, it was just a rough year. You yeah. know, I wasn't, I went from not practicing. I was depressed majority of the year, mm. you know. My father did, you know, I found him there. I had to do a funeral for the first time. You mm. know, it was just, everything was crazy. And then we were locked down, yeah. you know, we're stuck in the house. It was, it was just a crazy rough time, but that was the one time I felt remotely close to who I was before COVID hit. Wow. So I had to release that. And um, it was, it's just a good documentation of where I was at that point. And I'm currently working on some stuff now. I'm about to go in and actually finish to go in, start and finish the official album. Nice. But I also have a, a single out that I put out uh, August of last year, Melanated Love. Oh, yeah. That, that's right. And that one, that's totally done all by me. I, um, I wrote, produced. I did everything on that one except for bass. I sent it out and got my guy to play some bass on it and a guy to play guitar. The rest is all my production and music, man. Nice. It's a great single too, man. I was listening to it earlier today. Yeah, that, said, that's okay. the joint, man. And my daughter, yeah. uh, my daughter named that. I, okay. I wanted to call it Black Love. And then a guy that I know down in uh I think he's down in Durham, North Carolina. He's a trumpet player. Teaches at uh NC State. Al Strong. Al, yeah. That, yeah. See, what, yeah, Al put out a song called Black Love when I was planning to do it. And then I had to and then I waited because I, I didn't want to put out Black Love as well and i remember talking to my daughter like babe you know i want to do black love but you know my my god did it for his song i can't she said what about melanated, melanated. love my daughter uh-huh she's 12 right now so oh, wow. this was when she was 11 and i'm like melanated i think that'll work yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's dope yeah. man yeah that's man. dope well i look forward to hearing the new album and hopefully you will leave a, a, a little interlude on there for me to get on. I'm just going to put Oh, man. You got, we got to get the voice on that, man. You know yeah. You know, a little spoken word. You know what I'm saying? Whisper a couple of sweet nothings. Sweet nothings, know. man. Yeah. yeah. I, can, I can whisper some melanated words on the track. Hey, man. Let's make it happen, bro. Let's make it happen. Most definitely, man. Well, again, uh, hats off to you, Clarence, for all that you're doing, bro. Uh, you are an incredible artist, number one. Uh, you are a great human being. You know, I, 
I, I'm sure you're a great father and husband at home because, you know, anytime you can talk about your family in a public setting, you know, you're doing the right that's thing. That's right. Home, yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm you trying, that. bro. That's all uh, we can do is finish try, man. Try that's that's it, man. That's <laughs> it. But I want to encourage you, man, to, to keep on pushing on. Keep on elevating the sound, your craft and everyone around you, because the world needs more musicians, people, black men like yourself, man. So Thank you, God man. bless hey, you. Man, I appreciate you, man. Everybody, please go to my website. Yes. www.thatfeelgood.com. D-A-T. That's, that's right. It don't feel good. Without the Without D. The D. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. Yeah, thank you, bro. <laughs> my pleasure. We have been hanging out with Clarence Ward, the third multi-instrumentalist out of Baltimore. That is going to do it for this edition of Cool Jazz Conversations. This is a production of TVM Productions broadcast from his home of WSSB 90.3 FM at South Carolina State University. You can catch the podcast of this program on iHeartRadio. Tune in, Alexa, Amazon Music, Player FM, Google Podcasts. We're pretty much everywhere. And you can download it at your own convenience at coolJazzConversations.podbean.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Cool Jazz Conversations. I'll see you next time. My name is Marcella Shapard, the bass man. Follow me at the man with the voice. Peace.